0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health.
1: everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. It's Wednesday, and it's time to look ahead to the slate of games uh, from week 13. So uh, in terms of the uh, scheduling for this, uh, I'm going to break this down into two parts. Uh, I did this as a look-ahead podcast last week in one go. And it was viewed pretty uh, pretty well. People found a lot of value out of it, got some very lovely comments. And if you were kind enough to send some along, then thank you very much. Uh, it's given me sort of the green light to, to do this again this week and to look at all the different games and think about what do we need to know when we're thinking about the slate, questions we need to answer in order to decide who we're going to be starting, and some useful information to consider for lineups. So i are going to do this in two parts. Uh, the first... Part I'm going to do is going to cover off the Thursday night games and four games from the early kickoff on Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry. And the reason I've done it like that is they're games that and team. Well, the, first of all, Thursday night games you want to get that information as soon as possible, so that just made sense. And then in terms of the the four games I've picked on Sunday from the early kickoff, it's just because we're not waiting on a lot more information. I'm there's some of these games that I'm really waiting on more information to make some key decisions, and so would rather wait a little bit later on in the week. So we'll have that one out on Friday, where I have a lot more information in terms of injuries and in terms of just a few other situational bits and pieces. So really good to to split this into two parts, and that way it's not an hour of me just talking at you in your ear, uh, going through stats. So let's go ahead and start deep diving into Thursday's games. The first game we get is at 5.30 on Thursday. So if you aren't aware, you need to get your lineups in. If you've got any lions and any bears in your lineup, then you will need to get your lineup set before five thirty on Friday. That's our time. It's so just keep an eye on that. Make sure you're you're well ahead of the schedule um, so you don't get uh, stuffed. <laughs> Since it's a Thanksgiving game, uh, the first thing to think about with quarterbacks is actually is Jeff Driscoll actually going to go ahead and play on uh, Thursday? Or is it going to be uh, David Blow? Now, David Blow is someone who came off the Cleveland practice squad. I think he played in preseason and then he was released uh, or traded and he ended up at the, at the Jets. So Jeff Driscoll clearly is hurt. They tried to get Geoff, uh, Jeff Johnson or Josh Johnson even, uh, who was on the Redskin staff last week. Uh, but he has an XFL contract and they will not let him go. So we're waiting to see if Jeff, Jeff Driscoll actually gets the start in this game or if it is. Uh, David Bloom, because he is the only guy on the roster right now that can play quarterback. So I want to know, can I actually start any of these QBs, uh, whoever it might be? Uh, who's going to be the running back for the Lions in this game? And then I think the common theme is who, who can I deem startable as I'm starting to work through my lineups and think about who, who it is that I can even consider putting in, in lineups uh, and, and whittle those down. So when we're looking at, at Jeff Driscoll is if he does start, you know, he, he, did, play the, uh, he did play against the Bears a, a few weeks ago. Uh yeah, 269-1-1 one and one is what he put up. And he also ran five times 37 yards. So it's actually his best, date, best game to date statistically since he's been the starter. Uh, if he does play, uh, he does offer very, very minimal value. He threw three interceptions last week. Um, and okay, you can point to maybe. He's hurt. I would just stay away from that one uh, completely. Now you heard Ben Rolfe talk yesterday about Mitch Trubisky, and Mitch Trubisky is someone who you know he said could start. I think he was talking more from a DFS play or deep two QB uh, two QB league. So he's someone that you can consider starting in those circumstances. But I don't think in any other situation you can start him. To so give you some stats on the Chicago offense, they're 29th in yards per drive, 28th in scoring per drive, 28th in, in drive success rate, and 7th in terms of turnover per drive, where they're turning over the ball 8.3% of the time. Uh, those stats come from uh, DVOA, Football Outsiders. Uh, in terms of the Lions, they haven't had a quarterback go for over 300 yards in their last three games, and their ground game is, is a bit of a mess. When we look at Trubisky, he's yet to throw for 300 yards this season. He's got a high of 278, which he did last week, but he doesn't have any rushing floor. 18 yards last week on the floor uh, on the ground is his best week so far. So you've got no floor there. He's not throwing a high amount of touchdowns. He's not really doing a lot from a fantasy production perspective. So... It's really a case of if you're absolutely pushed or if you fancy just having some interest, Mitch Trubisky for DFS on Thanksgiving, but in a season-long podcast and a season-long league, I wouldn't be starting either of these. When it comes to the actual game itself, and really the tail of the tape is going to be on... David Montgomery so in order for the Bears to really succeed Montgomery needs to go over 60 scrimmage yards or 60 rushing yards and 60 scrimmage yards um in the case of every single week it's only last week where he had 31 yards is the only time that he's had under 60 scrimmage, uh, scrimmage yards and they've won all season the Lions who haven't been great against the run that's going to be who they target and since Montgomery has been really disappointing he's someone I'm not overly confident we get to the starters. I'll tell you roughly whereabouts. So I've put him in, in the rankings and something for you to consider. But I don't think at this stage I'd be looking at taking any of these quarterbacks. I think there's better ones on, on offer for you. When it comes to uh, the Lions running back, it is Mo Scarborough. So since week four, the Lions running backs have only had two performances of over 50 rushing yards. So that's uh, Mo Scarborough who got 55 or 14 carries, which is the high since week four. And then that was in week 11, and then last week he had 98 off 18 carries. Chicago give up one touchdown again to running backs this season. In terms of Mo Scarborough, he's definitely a start. Do I think he's a really high start? No, he does offer potentially a safe floor if he gets the volume, and it's not exactly like either of these teams is going to blow out the other. It's, it should be quite a low-scoring affair. So I do like Mo in that probably high-end running back three range. Um, which we'll get to. But really, this is going to be quite a, a difficult watch. Uh, those of you coming home from work, maybe put this one on record and then watch it at a later date. I don't see there being a lot of points here. It's going to be scrappy. You probably expect the Bears to win it just on their defense. It's probably the only part of this game that you'd say is uh, somewhat above average. So, in terms of starting assets in this game, you've got Mo Scarborough, who I would say is a, a running back. Three, I would say, generous. He could pop into running right back two, low-end territory, although I'd be surprised uh, if that's where he finishes this week. The other two players you could start for the Lions, uh, Agolade and Jones, they're both wide receiver threes for me. Uh, I would say Jones probably has slightly bit more appeal. Um, but either way, I don't fancy either of these guys to have a huge performance, especially if it is David Blow who is going to be throwing them the football. In terms of the Bears, I mean... In a 2 quarterback league, yeah, I guess you could start Mitch Trubisky. I certainly would be excited about that. Um, David Montgomery, as I mentioned, he's just been really disappointing. I'd say he's probably a running back three at this point. Uh, him and Scarborough are probably very close in my rankings. Then you've got Alan Robinson. Alan Robinson has been phenomenal despite everything that's going on. So I'd say he's a high-end uh, wide receiver two-player in this. There is a sneaky play here. It's someone that you might want to look at on, on waivers still, if, or free agency if he's cleared waivers. That's uh, Anthony Miller. So... Anthony Miller uh, has had 23% of uh, target share in the last two games. He's had six targets in in both games. So he's someone that could be worth a sneaky sort of low end wide receiver three wide receiver four play. Um, So if he's available in your league, he's probably worth uh, picking up Taylor Gabriel. uh, is dealing with a concussion and he is somebody that might not go on Thursday. So if you are desperate for a wide receiver, you could probably do worse than Anthony Miller right now. And then, Don't worry about tight ends in this game. They're going to be hopeless. I think Chicago are going to look at rolling out um, another tight end uh, instead of uh, Ben Drockner or whatever his name might be. Uh, Just ignore the tight ends in this game. It's not going to be pretty. So let's move on to the 9.30 game. uh, Cowboys at the Bills, or what I'd like to call the Cole Beasley Bowl. Um, Both teams... Our former owners of Cole Beasley, maybe they should get together and decide where they gets to keep Cole Beasley. Uh, might make it a little bit more exciting, but I think this should be a good game. Uh, so I want to know, can I really trust Zeke to put in a big performance this week? What are Brown and Cooper likely going to give me if I start them this week? And again, going back to that, that who is startable. So I looked at my uh, running back rankings this morning, and I put Zeke in at seven, which is about where you saw trending is that sort of range. Um, I'm struggling to put him higher. And it's really because it's down to how this game is going to break down and, and what it's likely to be. We're looking at this, you know, Zeke's last four games, or um, since the week eight by, sorry, so his last three games, he had a huge game against the Giants where he had 23 rushing attempts for 139 yards, sorry, four games. Then he had 20 for 47 uh, against the Vikings. He also had two receptions in that game. And then against the Lions, he went 16 for 45 and a touchdown. And then he went two for 28 and a touchdown in the air. And then against the Patriots, he was 21 carries for 86, no touchdowns, and four catches for four yards. And it really means that Zeke isn't getting a lot of receptions. They seem to be going down these last four games. If you were listening to me there, it's uh, 0, uh, 3, 3, and 4 in terms of his targets. So, and he's sort of missed two of those. So he's not going to give you some PPR upside here, no more than what you get from someone like a Derrick Henry, for example. But as I go back to this, the game script is incredibly uh, dependent here because if they trail significantly, then you're likely to see Zeke kind of be ignored. Um, the same way that if they blow out the bills here, then they'll go to, po- they'll go to Pollard and they are rest Zeke. Um, we saw that against the Lions. So, and we've seen it quite a few times this season. So it's it's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears here with the porridge. You don't want too much of a blowout because it means that Zeke is going to be taken out of the game and rested the same way that you don't want the Cowboys to be significantly blown out because then they'll be chasing the game and they'll abandon Zeke. So it needs to be just the right conditions in order for him to be a top three, top four running back this week. Of course, you're going to start Zeke. It's why I put him at seventh, but... I can't seem to get him any higher purely because of the way that the game is structured at the moment for him. And I just can't see the conditions where he can get to be a running back one this week in terms of like the overall one. He will obviously finish in the top 12 this week. Um, So moving on to Cooper. So Cooper was targeted just twice in the loss to New England. He had zero receptions in that game. And this week he has Davis White, uh, who kept Courtland Sutton's just two receptions last week. And Cooper is banged up. You know, at a season high, he gets 14 targets. Uh, I think he's going to get targeted more than twice. I don't think he's going to get targeted 14 times. I expect that target number to be somewhere between sort of 7 and 9. But can he be explosive? And can he beat uh, Tredavis White, who's having a, an absolutely phenomenal season? So I think I'm a little bit cautious on, on Cooper. Uh, so much so, I've got him uh, in sort of the wide receiver two like camp. I just think he's someone who... I can't put a whole heap of faith on, especially after last week. He has these boom and bust games. He's someone that I'm slightly lower on this week. Of course, I'll probably start him in most leagues. But if I get the right situation, he might be someone I would consider sitting. John Brown uh, saw a season low four targets on Sunday. And he also saw his streak of having 50 receiving yards in every game of the season snapped. Uh, on Sunday. However, he did come up with a big play to beat Chris Harris to get uh, a touchdown, 35-yard touchdown. So he is someone that's slightly more reliable. But uh, in terms of Dallas's D, uh, everyone keeps saying that Dallas are a really gettable D, but they have been really good against wide receivers in in 2019. Uh, They're actually the third best defense against uh, fantasy wide receivers in 2019, and they have just given up seven touchdowns all season to wide receivers so I I really like other options in this game Uh, I really like Gallup I think Gallup and Cooper aren't too far apart uh, for me I think about eight nine maybe ten spots in my rank it'd be somewhere like that it's not a huge golf I think Gallup could potentially break out and actually have the higher ceiling than Cooper I think Cooper's floor is quite uh, quite ceiling is quite limited this week and then as it comes to John Brown I like John Brown as well in fact i've got Cooper and Browns so on next to ne- uh, next to each other in my rankings and I think Brown is someone who can still deliver good wide receiver two numbers but I think he's someone that could potentially be capped just by if they if the Cowboys just getting their act together and putting some coverage on him so it's something to to keep an eye on so as for uh, starts in this game uh, Dak is, of course, a QB1. Zeke, you can start as a top 12 running back. Uh, I think Pollard is someone who, if you're absolutely desperate in the deepest of leagues and, and you just really need a person just to fill a spot, he's someone that if they do blow out the bills for whatever reason, he'll get some work. And when he comes in, he's highly efficient. I've kind of got him in the running back four territory. I think there's worse players to put in your lineup this week than Tony Pollard, but I'm not obviously advising to start him as he won't start the game. As I sort of mentioned here, you've got Cooper who have got a sort of mid-range wide receiver two. I've got Gallup. as a, I've got him at the moment just as a high-end wide receiver three. And then I've also got Cobb in sort of the wide receiver three, wide receiver four uh, conversation. I think he's someone that will, will do quite well there. As for the Bills, Josh Allen is a, a QB one. He's actually doing really well this season. Uh, he gives you a safe rushing floor. He rushes for touchdowns what that does do is it does hurt Devin Singletary's ceiling because he's not getting the goal line carries because Josh Allen would rather just run it in. So he's not handing off. He's not checking down. He's just someone who goes, I'll get this in. No worries. So uh, Devin Singletary for me is still an RB2. He's still someone you should play. Leighton Van Der Esch might be out of this game. That could help uh, Singletary get, break off some, some big runs. But uh, his touchdowns are going to be the issue. Uh, I don't see, unless he breaks off a big run, how he gets into the end zone. So that's why he's in the RB2 conversation for me. But he could have a reasonable week on the ground. Uh, Frank Gore is a around about four uh, at this rate. If someone gave me the choice between Gore and Pollard, I'd probably go with Pollard just for the upside. And then you've got John Brown again. He's uh, the mid-wide receiver two conversation. And there's Cole Beasley. Now, at the moment, I've kind of got him in my wide receiver five uh, rankings. But someone I'm, I keep leaning towards thinking, He could get a touchdown here and he could move up, but it's hard to sort of rank a a player like that. So at the moment, he's in my wide receiver five conversation. If you're really stuck, I don't hate starting him. Uh, There are better start options, but something to potentially consider. Moving on to the evening game, uh, Falcons at the Saints, uh, NFC showdown. Uh, There's some things here that if this wasn't a Thursday game, I probably wouldn't be doing this now. I really need to understand a little bit more about the injuries to Jones and Hooper and Freeman for Atlanta. And then what I also really want to know is sort of who's startable. Is there anything else I need to know about the Saints that I don't already know? And I'll explain that when I look at the starts. So injuries at the moment, From this is the information I have at the time of recording on Wednesday, is that Jones was, uh, Julio Jones was absent from practice. He could go. Thursday, and it wouldn't be the the first time he's been kept out of practice, but being a start. But it's something you're going to need to keep an eye out on. Uh, Freeman did have limited practice, and he's someone who's potentially 50-50 right now. But we're not quite sure if he's going to go either way. I don't think he's a huge upside play here by putting him in. Uh, In terms of Austin Hooper, he did some work off the side. However, he's probably not going to go on Thursday. So as a result, there isn't a need to think about tight ends uh, in this game. If Freeman goes, then Ollison is nothing to consider. Uh, You can drop Brian Hill at this point. He holds uh, absolutely no fantasy value whatsoever. He's not going to get touchdowns. Uh, He's someone you don't really need to consider. So when looking at this game, and I'm thinking about the offense, and I'm thinking about this game, it's on paper, it's due to be a shootout. So we started to look at some of the numbers from DVOA, football outsiders, to to really understand uh, what we're kind of expecting. Now, both these uh, teams put up high yardage. Uh, the Saints put up three hundred and sixty eight point nine yards a game uh, of offense. The Falcons put up three hundred and seventy one point four yards, so they 're very close to each other in terms of yardage totals. New Orleans are a lot more balanced between the pass and the run and have a good uh, good sufficient number in both. However, rushing totals for Atlanta are slightly concerning. So they only rushed the ball 72.9 yards per game, and that puts them 31st in the NFL behind Miami, uh, who have Caelan Bellage as their running back, which tells you all you need to know. Uh, but they are the third highest team in terms of passing yards this season. Um, so when I dig down and look at their totals, the New Orleans offense is uh, currently 10th in uh, yards per drive, they're 7th in points per drive, and ninth in drive success rate. They've they've got the lowest amount of turnovers per drive, which is about 5%, and they're second in time of possession. And then you flip that over to the Falcons, who are actually fifth in yards per drive, twelfth in points per drive, third in drive success rate, 26th in turnovers. They do turn over the ball quite a bit, with 16% of the time they turn the ball over on their drives, and they're sixth in time of possession. Why those stats are important is that you're understanding how if teams that have long drives have good offenses, they put up yards, more consistency, more often than not, it will point to a balance with uh, the Falcons. It just says they find their receivers pretty well and they've got a good quarterback there who who can do that. So this should be a high scoring game. Look at the line on this. It uh, wouldn't surprise me if it's at or around 50 points. I haven't checked. Uh, I don't tend to look at the gambling sites all too much. So, but have a look at the line. I reckon that'll be where, where you'll see it. And both of these teams can put the ball in the air. Um, but you've also got the, the Saints who can run the ball quite well on the on the ground. So when I'm thinking about starts in this game, it is pretty straightforward for me. Uh, Ryan is a QB one. Devonta Freeman, if he plays. Is a running back three. He doesn't get into the running back two conversation for me at this stage. Olsson is quite low down for me. Uh, if, he, if Freeman doesn't start, he'll get a bump, and you will probably be in running back four territory, but he's not somebody I really want to be starting in the sort of worst running back by committee uh, scheme I've probably ever seen, especially if they're only going to get 72.9 yards per game. Julio Jones is banged up, as I mentioned. He is someone who is a wide receiver too. Uh, At best, I might have even put him lower down in the rankings due to his injury. The one to watch here is Calvin Ridley. He's on the fringe of the uh, run. wide receiver one conversation here. Uh, What we really want, if you're a Calvin Ridley owner, is for Julio Jones to get out uh, on Thursday night and to to play because he will take some coverage away. And it should leave uh, Calvin Ridley open to do more. So... He's definitely a player I really like this week. And if you've got him, uh, you should definitely suit up and expect good things. As for the Saints, it's a very linear offense. It's Breeze, obviously. Kamara, who's going to be a top four running back this week, which you should expect. It's um, Latavius Murray is an interesting one. So I talked about... Murray's success or lack of it with Kamara and then what does he do he gets uh, the first touchdown of the game on Sunday to just make me look a little bit silly but ultimately he didn't do a lot after that drive so he is in the running back three conversation as his absolute ceiling um you kind of kind of need him to do something like he did on Sunday uh unless you have Kamara then you don't Michael Thomas is probably the safest wide receiver in football it doesn't matter what's going on with the Saints uh, you can just pencil them in for 100 yards and a touchdown right now. And then Jared Cook is a a top tight end at the moment. uh, And someone, if you picked up mid-season, you're very, very happy with. So that's uh, Thanksgiving taken care of. So let's have a look at some of the Sunday games. Uh, I'm going to start with Colts uh, at Titans at six o'clock on Sunday. So I want to know how do the RBs uh, running back stack up in this game? Uh, Look at the battle of the quarterbacks here. And then again, who is startable? Can I even start a wide receiver in this game? It's it's sort of a big thing I put in brackets here that I want to know because I'm not overly confident. Uh, So when I'm looking at the running backs here, Indianapolis are very stingy against the run. Uh, They're the fifth best run defense to fantasy football. Running backs at 19.3 points per game. That's the entire running back collective. They have given up just five touchdowns and 107.5 yards a game to running backs. Tennessee aren't too bad themselves. They're the 11th worst running defense, which doesn't sound that great, to be honest. Uh, But they have only given up 10 touchdowns. But they do give up a lot of points because they give up uh, a lot more yards. So they're giving up, I think, 25.5 fantasy points per game to to running backs. When I look at uh, Indianapolis and I look at their offense, it's actually been incredibly efficient. Um, So they are third in time of possession, eighth in yards per drive, 11th in points per drive and sixth and drive success rate, it's because what they do is they have a fine balance. They, they get a running back they trust uh, and they, they lean in and follow him. And that means when you're looking at someone like Jonathan Williams, they give him a good healthy set of snaps, but then more importantly, they give him a good healthy set of carries as well. So in week 11, where perhaps they hadn't had a designated choice as to who the running back was going to be, they ran with the hot hand. Williams got 13 carries for 116 yards. And then he also had one reception for 31. And then last week, he got the starting job. He ran the ball 26 times for 104 yards and a touchdown. And then he also got three for 17 in the air. Jonathan Williams is a must start. He's on the border of the, uh, the running back one conversation. I'd say he's a running back two right now, but he's someone that I wouldn't be surprised. I move up my rankings uh, as I go through. He is someone that I feel very confident in starting this week. If he didn't start him last week, do start him this week. His ownership has gone up. He's someone you can definitely start. And then as for Derek Henry, Derek Henry in November and December is absolutely deadly. We saw what he did last year. We talked about this. Ben gave you a stat yesterday. Um, to give you an idea of his last two games, uh, week 10, 23 attempts for 188 yards and two touchdowns, two receptions for three yards. And then last week uh, against the Jags, 19 uh, carries for 159 yards, two touchdowns and then one reception for 16. So again, you're looking at four touchdowns these last two games. You're talking about over 300 yards of offense, nearly 350 yards from scrimmage. So phenomenal numbers. He's someone that can continue to get it done. Fire up Derek Henry if you've got him this week. You should feel very comfortable starting him in every league, and Jonathan Williams as well. The quarterbacks themselves, Tannehill has been on one heck of a run since he's got the job. So... According to JJ Zacharyson, since Tannehill became the starter, these are all the quarterbacks with a, who have played a minimum of four games who have more fantasy points per game than Ryan Tannehill. Lamar Jackson, that's it. End of the list. Lamar Jackson. So he's currently the quarterback too since he has been the starter. It's mostly down to his safe rushing floor. He's had three rushing touchdowns in his last three games, including two on Sunday. So he is someone that you can feel pretty confident even though the Indianapolis are 11th against fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, they have given up 17 touchdowns in the season with eight interceptions. They are giving up just short of 17 fantasy points per game. Uh, but I think Tannehill is going to probably exceed that a little bit more. He should probably get you closer to 20, 22 points on the weekend. And then Tennessee themselves, and then you look at Jacoby Brissett. The so Tennessee's numbers are very similar to Indy. Uh, they've also, they're 14th against fantasy quarterbacks. 17 touchdowns with nine interceptions, uh, but they give up slightly more yards. So Tennessee is 17.7 fantasy points per game. So it's less than a point in it uh, between the two a week. Brissett has had less than 200 yards in his last three games. They will just establish the run. That's why I'm saying you should just concentrate on Williams. Uh, Williams is a very safe. Uh, volume, uh, and also I think Brissett is still not quite a hundred percent. They've definitely rolled him out there to try and just win games. They couldn't win games with with Brian Hoyer. He lost to Miami, and that was kind of devastating. Brissett, for me, is someone that you've got to potentially not look at um, this week. But I think Tanner is definitely someone you should start. And if you're struggling at the, the quarterback position, he's someone you should be picking up and just plugging in uh, until things go wrong. Now, AJ Brown, uh, some people might have thought he made me look a bit silly. Uh, He had a big week last week. However, he still only had four reception. So when I broke down the Tennessee numbers, and if you haven't listened, listen to last week's show, because this is a trend-based, this is what the point of this particular podcast is going to be, is looking at trends over the week. So the data that we had, even though it says week 12, it's still relevant. It's still relevant to look at those trends. And I said to you that no... Tennessee wide receiver was getting more than four receptions and he kept that off. He just made big plays. And that's something that isn't going to change all that much. Tannehill isn't throwing the ball more than 20 times a game. He threw the ball for 18 times on Sunday. So AJ Brown wants he got all these yards and everyone's saying, oh, you should pick him up. At the end of the day, it's a process. You can't bank on him getting all those yards because he hasn't had more than four receptions in a game all season. So he's someone I don't particularly like as a long-term alternative uh as to to start in this game as i said probably none of the wide receivers hilton if he's fit it's looking like it's going to be a struggle if he does start uh, especially after what happened on on sunday yeah uh, thursday when they played seems like a long time ago um so he's someone that i put in the wide receiver three category right now Brissett, unless it's a two qb league and you're desperate i wouldn't be starting him uh williams i've got plugged in as a high-end rb2 right now he's someone that could fall into the RB1 conversation I would not be surprised Um, also some love to to Jack Doyle here because uh, Eric Ebron's out uh, therefore Jack Doyle is going to see more targets he's someone that I can consider a tight end one he's probably safe around uh, top 10 bottom end of the top 10 right now in terms of tight ends this week Tannehill definitely QB1 definitely start him if you have him unless you happen to have a Mahomes or Jackson then you know you shouldn't really be carrying two QBs at this stage Henry's a locked and load RB1 that's that's it. That, that's all you need to know about Tennessee. AJ Brown is at best a wide receiver five. He's a desperation play. If you're absolutely stuck and you can't get a Beasley uh, and you can't get anybody else who I've already mentioned, then fine. Johnny Smith is uh, – he didn't even have a reception last week. You can just leave the, the tight ends for Tennessee completely out the way. So these next couple of games are going to be quite short because there's not really that much I can give you because you're either going to start or not start players from these teams. Um, And they're pretty easy situations to work out. I'm going to start with the Ravens at the 49ers, who's also six o'clock on Sunday. Um, There really isn't that many questions um, for me to answer because both teams are quite healthy. The only real question I have coming in, well, there's two. One, is Breeder going to play? Because that might impact who's going to get carries out the backfield for the 49ers. Um, And the other question is, can I start the Ravens? Uh, players uh, more importantly you know the the main three and that that's it that's all i i really need to look at so i'm going to go through the starts uh who i'm penciling in as starters now lamar jackson of course you're playing him he is a qp1 he's the qp1 he's the overall quarterback why would you not be starting ingram is a little touchdown dependent but he is someone that will get he he seems to be very efficient. He's getting them either on the in the air or on the ground. He's someone that's getting his, and he's definitely an RB one this week. And you can lock and load him and uh, Andrews as well. He's a tight end one. Those just they, you're never not playing those players. This is why I don't need to spend a lot of time here on the Ravens. They're a great team. You can listen to how great they are. You can watch how great they are. I don't need to give you a lot of analysis here because other than who to start, and those three uh, must-starts every week between now and the end of the season if they take the field. Marquis brand, I put in the wide receiver four conversation. It really depends on who covers him. Uh, he's someone that will have great games, and then he will have poor games. He's just boom or bust. Um, so I got him in the wide receiver four conversation. I don't expect him to have a big game on, on Sunday, if I'm totally honest. Moving over to San Francisco, um, I wouldn't start – Garoppolo, I put him right at the back end of the QB2s uh, in the 20s. He's not someone I, I really want uh, to have a piece of this week. Uh, Coleman, I have put at the low-end RB2. Raheem Muster, I'm assuming that Breeder doesn't go, is a high, uh, sort of a mid-end wide uh, running back three. Debo Samuel, I've got as a low-end wide receiver two. Sanders, I've got as a uh, low-end wide receiver three. And then, of course, you're starting Kittle as your tight end if you own him. Like, Why wouldn't you? So just some interesting stats on on these teams because I don't need to go into too much analysis here. So Baltimore lead the league in the following uh, following categories in terms of stats. They lead the league in yards per drive, points per drive, offensive drive success rate, time of possession per drive, rushing uh, yards per game, and points per game. They're putting up 210.5 rushing yards a game and 35.1 points per game as an offense. They're also one yard in the entire season behind Dallas in terms of yards on the season. One, one yard. <laughs> you know, this is this is a game you can fire up uh, those those players, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. San Francisco is uh, still a pretty good offense. 15th in yards per drive, 5th uh, in points per drive, 12th in drive success rate. They're second in terms of their average starting position per drive, and that's because their defense is really, really good. They are second in the least amount of yards per drive uh, conceded by the defense, the least amount, second least amount of points per drive conceded by the defense, and the, the second best defense in terms of drive success rate from a defensive side of the ball. They give up the second least amount of time of possession as well, um, and that means that they get a lot of the ball. They dominate the time of possession. I'd throw all those stats out the window. It's just something good to know going forward. But in this game with the Ravens, where you've got the best offense against probably the second best defense in the league, I don't think they're as pertinent because San Francisco also have a good offense. They're not built just to win on defense. They, they do have a good offense. I think you can start quite a lot of players here uh, and just ignore everything else that's going on. So just enjoy the game. I don't know how it's a six o'clock game. The ultimate game for me in this podcast is Bengals at Jets. Uh, this is another 6 p.m. game. I want to know if Andy Dalton is going to have an impact what happens to Joe Mixon, and then who, obviously, I can start in this game. So Dalton, in his eight games this season before he was benched on his birthday during the bye week, uh, was averaging 40, just over 40 uh, pass attempts a game and 281 yards per game with 12 touchdowns in eight games and eight interceptions. Uh, So he's throwing the ball a lot. He's putting the ball in the air a lot. And as a result, that makes Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, Alex Erickson, all relevant in fantasy, how high their ceiling goes. that's a lot of it depending on the Bengals and the fact that Dalton has sat three weeks. He's, you know, when you're not playing games regularly, it's the mental state, it's getting game ready, it's all of those aspects. So it's something to uh, keep an eye on. It's something that you can if you need to start a QB and you're absolutely stuffed and your choice is Jeff Driscoll, uh, Devlin Hodges or Andy Dalton, go Andy Dalton because he's going to put the ball in the air. Uh, So he's someone that's relevant. He's just not someone I'm excited to to start. Uh, However, when it comes to Joe Mixon, this is all really, really bad news for Joe Mixon because three of his best fantasy performances for the season have been the last three games uh, when Ryan Finley has played. And then all of this is trending down to the number of targets he gets. You'd think in a passing offense, he would get a lot more targets, but he really isn't. So in 2017, when he was a rookie, he got 29 targets in 11 games. And don't forget, he wasn't the bona fide starter, and he, earned his, he had to earn his place. He still got 29 in 11 games. In 2018, he only played nine games because of injury, and he got 40 targets. This year, in 2019, he's got 31 targets in 11 games, which is two above his rookie season, and he's been a designated starter every single week. But to compare his 2018 and 2019 numbers, he's getting a target and a half a game less than what he was last season. And that's worrying and that's highly concerning. So for me, Mixon is a very low-end RB2 at his absolute best. And the volume that he was seeing, I'm not confident he's going to be seeing going forward. Just a quick note on the Jets here. Um, I'm not going to talk about the much, Jets fans, because they're rolling, they're playing really well, and nothing has changed. Um, I did a really big deep dive on wide receivers for the Jets last week. Those numbers still hold up. Anderson retained the same um, snap rate. He got 83 last week. He got 83 this week. Crowder saw a jump from 58 to 65. Okay, he got less targets this week, but he was on the field more. Uh, Thomas saw a slight spike in snaps too, uh, 65 to 70. So everything I said last week about the Jets wide receivers still holds true. Despite the snap share, Crowder is the one to target the most. Thomas is kind of like the safety valve. And Robbie Anderson is kind of the guy that you don't need to focus that much on. And he might get you a touchdown like he did last week. But ultimately, he's one of three that is the less relevant. He's the one that is going to be probably gone at the end of the season and isn't in the long term uh, plan. So he'll get some usage. He's on the field a lot, but he's more of a decoy. Uh, he might get a few design throws his way, but he is not commanding the same attention as Jameson Crowder and Demarius Thomas. So just keep an eye on that because the snap counts kind of lead to everything being about Anderson, but it isn't when you watch the tape. But go back and listen, Jets fans, to that last podcast. I did quite a bit of a deep dive, and they blew out the uh, the Raiders, and ultimately nothing has changed um, from what I said last week, which is why I don't need to focus that much on them this week. In terms of who would start in this game, Dalton is a very low end. Uh, to be honest, he's more of a QB3. Uh, our best uh, at the moment, Mixon, I said that RB2, low end, really sort of an RB3. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I've put as a high wide receiver three. Uh, I think I've got him 25th in my rankings. He's on the cusp of the wide receiver two. Auden Tate is sort of a wide receiver four for me. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he got a big bump now, Dalton's back. But as of right now, that's the only place I can kind of put him, especially against a good uh, coverage team like the Jets. And then uh, when it comes to... The Jets, is pretty simple for me. It's Darnold. He's QB1 at the moment. Bell is sort of a mid running back two. He gets volume, but not enough. Uh, doesn't get used enough in the passing game, but he gets some value. So uh, he's a running back two. Crowder is a wide receiver four, and Thomas and Anderson, are wide receiver fours. But again, they could all see a slight uh, bump up against this bad Cincy defense. Uh, I lied there when I said that was the penultimate game. There's actually two left I'm going to cover off very quickly. But again, games I don't need to spend too long on. The first is the Panthers at the Redskins uh, Sunday at six PM. So again, this is really, really thin fantasy wise. I don't really need to ask a, a lot of questions here. Uh, who I'm starting? You could start Allen as a low end QB two if you need. He, he improves slightly on on Sunday against the Saints, but he's uh, been a bit up and down, erratic. Uh, I'm going to give you some stats for the cautious starting CMC. you cautious starting Djing Moore. You can start Greg Olsen, and you can start the Panthers DST in this one as the, the Washington Redskins defense gives up more sacks than any other team in the league. And then on the Redskins side, it's uh, Terry McLaurin. That's it. That's all you need to worry about for the Redskins. Don't touch the backfield. Don't touch the tight end. Don't touch any other position. It's Terry McLaurin. He got 12 targets on Sunday. He only caught five for 72. Uh, he's almost uh, TD and bust in standard scoring, but in PPR – He'll get you enough volume, but just don't mess with, uh, don't mess with them. Uh, some stats on CMC. So he's really on a record pace right now. If uh, he continues his pace until the end of the season, he's going to end up with two thousand four hundred eighty-six scrimmage yards, with twenty-three touchdowns and ninety-nine receptions. Now, don't forget we're eleven games into a sixteen-game season, so we're over halfway. So it's it's quite a significant projection, but it's also one that's not. Looking at oh well okay, he's had two good games. He's had he's had eleven good games. He's on for three hundred and twenty-one carries. You know, he's touching the ball sort of six times a game at the moment. Uh twenty-six times a game, not six, that'd be impressive. Um, to give you an idea on that two four eighty six and where that stacks in history. If he was to end on two four uh, eighty six scrimmage yards, that would put him second all time. It put him ahead of Marshall Falk from nineteen ninety nine for the St. Louis Rams, where he put up uh, 2,429 scrimmage yards for the greatest show on turf. But he'd still be behind Chris Johnson with uh, from the 2009 Tennessee Titans with 2,509. Now, in order for him to beat that record of uh, 2,509, he needs to average five yards a game more. That's nice because we're five-yard rush, right? So it worked out pretty, uh, pretty nice. But if he gets five yards, if he rushes for five yards more, if he listens to this podcast, he will and keeps the pace, he will break the all time scrimmage record for yardage from scrimmage. So keep an eye on that one. DJ Moore, three plus games of over a hundred yards in his last four. The other was 95 yards. Uh, He's finally got into the end zone. I talked last week, uh, go back to listen to the podcast. I keep saying that, but it's all about trends. This is what these stats do is they follow trends. I said, you know, the worry with him is he doesn't get in the end zone. Well, he did. He got in the end zone twice on Sunday, which is great news. And something to have so if you have TJ Moore you're firing up as a wide receiver one this week Olsen's a good five for 50 guy he's not scored since week three but he's someone that if you just need to get 10 PPR points he's someone that you can rely on to, to do that reasonably comfortably the last game we're going to talk about here is Dolphins at Eagles again two pretty bad teams from a fantasy perspective there aren't many players to talk about right now from uh, a fantasy perspective we've got Uh, From the Miami Dolphins, we've got uh, Devontae Parker, who is sort of wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And Mike Kazicki, who is a low-end, tight-end two, if you're desperate. Carson Wentz, who's not a great start. I mean, he's not a bad start this week because it's Miami, but he's not someone i would be banking my fantasy season on. Uh, He's probably a a high-end QB2 at this rate. Miles Sanders, whose production is going up without uh, Jordan Howard there. Uh, however, he hasn't yet. He has not had a, a thousand or a hundred yard game yet, and that's a slight concern. But he is getting more work in the receiving game as of now, especially as they've got no wide receivers. Then you'll play the two tight ends here: Zach Ertz and, and Daz Goddard. Both of them are available to play. Zach Ertz is a, a high high percentage play this week. Daz Goddard, I still think, is someone who could sneak into the tight end one, but more like potentially a high end tight end two kind of player. And then if Alshon does go, he's someone that could potentially. Uh, benefit, but I wouldn't be banking too much on as I went through their numbers last week. In terms of the Miami offense, this is just sort of how bad they are. They're 30th in yards per drive, 30th in points per drive, and 29th in drive success rate. And Philly just meh, you know, 17th in yards per drive, 19th in points per drive, and 15th in drive success rate. They've only scored more than 22 points in the game for Philadelphia once since week five. And if they don't do it this week, then, any shares that you have, with the exception of Sanders, Ertz, uh, Goddard, I'm just out. I'm, I'm out on everybody else. You just don't need them. So, it's a very thin game from the perspective of fantasy here. We're talking about seven players. Devontae Parker has been uh, significantly uh, consistent. That's why he's wide receiver, too. His last two games were 6 and 91 and no score, and then 7 and 135 uh, the week before that. So, you know, these are players that you can definitely. Uh, rely on because in this game because there isn't anyone else so if you've got Devontae Parker you can start him he's someone who bring you some value but there's no need to be chasing um whoever else is available like Patrick Laird or Caitlin Bellage, even Fitz, even though he had a good game he's not going to run that much like he normally like he did last week Some numbers on earth last week he went for 12 91 and one the the touchdown was garbage time but you know at least he still got it got up went 7 32 which doesn't sound that impressive, but PPR is a reason why Goddard moves slightly up the rankings. Whereas if it's uh, standard, he's probably someone you might want to shy away from. Um, And I put a final note here that Miles Sanders potentially this week is touchdown or bust, but I would fancy him to get into the end zone against a porous Miami defense. Uh, That's it for me for this particular catch-up. That's seven games I've gone through. If you want to ask any additional details, just get in touch with us. Uh, on our Flick chat, with the link of that to our, our, on our Twitter bio. Alternatively, you can get in touch with us uh, at Five Yard Rush. Uh, you can also find us in all good podcast places, which is good because you're probably listening to that. And we'll, you can find out more information on our website. We've got some articles. The injury report went up today. The start sits is going up on Friday. I think we've got an article going up. I know we've got an article going up tomorrow. This should be quite good as well. So uh, lots of stuff going on here uh, at Five Yarders. We're getting ready to the fantasy season. Uh, I will be back with a guest episode tomorrow while Stocks is continuing his uh, lovely vacation away. So we will be recording that special guest episode later on. Fingers crossed he's going to take some time out of his uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, To all of you in America who listen to this, thanks very much for tuning in. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I will be back tomorrow and Friday when it comes to wrapping up the rest of these games. But until then, Rust Nation, keep rushing.